Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day for a great interview, a fantastic interview, actually. Shakoya Green, uh, a woman who is the epitome of resilience, uh, a woman who in her life has gone from foster care to now being a social worker and is passionate about her transformation and how she teaches others now to develop the same insights and resilience. And she's that, that glimmer of hope for many out there who are in difficult and sometimes unpredictable situations uh, and feel at times powerless and hopeless. And it's so beautiful to, to have this merchant of hope uh, coming onto my show. So Shakoya, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. It is truly a pleasure um, to be on your show and to be able to share my story and empower um, others to know that where they're where they were in their past is not their end all. Um, you still can press forward to a positive future. Absolutely. And that's, you've just nailed it. We can, we could, we could just stop here, actually. That is the, that is the sound part. Guys, if you've learned everything, anything from this, 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 uh, this discussion, there you are, there is hope. And that's what my channel is all about. So therefore, Shakoya, you fit 100% into, um, what I keep saying, and I was definitely in dark places in my life, um, from anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, all these kind of, of negative emotions. Oh, I know them so well. And unfortunately, you got to know them well, too, at a, at a quite early stage of your life. Are you happy to share a bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so born and raised in the city of Compton, um, both my mother, my mother and father divorced and they were both addicted to drugs. And at the age of seven, my grandmother um, filed a, a CPS re referral with the Department of Children and Family Services. Um, and she did this not because she couldn't take care of us, but because she needed financial support and resources. And she didn't want my mom to continue to pick us up today and then drop us off for three or four days at a time, um, taking us wherever she went um, during her stints. Um, and so she wanted to make sure that we had a safe home environment um, where we could continue to thrive. Um, and so at the age of seven, I was removed from my mother's care and placed into foster care. How old was your grandmother? Oh, she had to be in. She had to be in her 50s at that time. Um, she had already raised seven children of her own. And uh, my two aunts were living with her at the time. We're still living with my grandmother, the two youngest girls. And um, one of my aunts had children. And so they were living with her at that time. <laughs> Um, oh Can you imagine the, the additional stress there for her, this poor woman? For her, she was probably saying, my goodness, I've, I'm just coming out of it. And there, there you are. And of course, she loved you. And of course, she wanted to make sure that you're in the, in the best possible care that you possibly can be. Uh, 
So, so true. Uh, can you remember much of that time? Or did you end up blocking much out of that time? No. You know, I have um, I have lots of memories from that time. Um, I, I can honestly say that we were very fortunate uh, with the social worker that was assigned to the case up front um, because he really walked my grandmother through the process and he was really empathetic um, with me and my siblings because there was myself and then my older sister and then my younger brother. So he was really empathetic to the point where I didn't want social workers coming to my school. So he went to the school, talked to the administrators, got the paperwork that he needed, but he would make a special trip back out to my grandmother's house to see us because who wanted a social worker at the school? Um, and so that was really good. Um, uh, my aunts were very supportive in helping my grandmother raise us um, until I was 18 and went on to college. And I was the first um, in my family, in my immediate family, to go to a university to get a, ma a bachelor's degree and two master's degrees. Um, but it was definitely with the support of um, my grandmother, my aunts, very supportive social workers, DCFS paid for books and summer school classes until I was 21 years old. Um, and my grandmother was had a strong faith. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, same story here. Um, blue collar through and through, wrong side of the tracks. First guy to ever get to university or any kind of higher education. So I know where you come from. Um, wow. But it's beautiful how you, you speak about this, this social worker who is who went out of his way to change your life. And it's so lovely that that there is there's actually this positive kind of vibe to that. Often you hear not so nice things about foster care and about right. more systems that are under distress, systems where there is no money, which are which are stretched beyond functioning. And it's lovely to hear that that is not necessarily true in your case. You know, um, and that was one of the reasons, outside of telling my own story, social workers have such a negative connotation um, behind them because of the things that you hear about them removing kids from families and breaking up homes and things like that. Um, and good social workers are out there. There are great social workers out there that are not necessarily trying to break homes up, but trying to figure out how to keep those homes together, um, how to keep families together, trying to support parents to do the right thing um, so that they can care for their children. Um, and so that was how having two amazing social workers. I can remember my first social worker and then my last social worker who was truly amazing with helping me through the college process. Um, that's how I went into social work. Uh, initially, it was wanting to go into family law, but not really knowing how much that cost and um, what the requirements were. And, you know, and so I went into, I, my plan was social work and then family law. And so I'm still a social worker. <laughs> and see, for me, social workers are actually very, very positive people working within the, the hospital environment and working here in a town in Wataroa where there is 
a lot of poverty, there is a lot of uh, need for social services. It is beautiful to have social workers on your side. I see social workers essentially as jungle guides. Uh, there is a big jungle out there and there are some safe ways to get through it and there are probably some rather dangerous ways to get nowhere. And a social worker is, is a guide who, where I say, wow, we've got this patient, these are the circumstances. What do you think we can do to help this patient safely transition back from medical care into the community after their accident, after their disease, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I, whilst I hear that in, in films and on social media, I hear the negative connotations that, that sometimes afflict uh, or affect uh, social workers in my daily life. They are the heroes. They are the, the guys that without them, I would not know how to help my patients. I have no idea. So actually a social worker is, I think an integral part to tease together the social aspects of medical care. A good family physician will often be able to do quite a bit. We call them GP, general practitioner. Um, a good GP will, will be able to do much of it. They know where they can send someone, but a social worker, well, that's their field. They know which services are out there. They know the how to tap into services, even if they are seemingly maybe not appropriate or not willing to engage with you but they they have got the insights so guys out there if you listen to that uh, this is social workers they're they're often so bloody good guys and they don't want to do anything negative but maybe the actions that have impacted on your family are so severe that your children need a break in this particular case they need to get out for a moment um, until you get your shit together, until you got yourself clean, maybe, until you have stopped using drugs, got yourself straight, and then a year, two years down the line, that's another story, isn't it? And you know what, Stephen, that is so true. Um, you ex you talked about a medical social worker, and I think where the misnomer is is because people don't even realize that social workers do so many things. When people, in my experience, when people hear the word, word social worker, they go immediately to CPS or to DCFS. They don't think of the medical social workers. They don't think of bereavement social workers. They don't think of those who are giving therapy, those who are lobbying and advocating for social policy. I, I think they miss all of that because what's in the media is DCFS. Mm. And so even with the DCFS social workers, again, in my experience, I had nothing but positive um, DCFS social workers. Even I, for a short period of time, I was a CPS worker and I worked with some amazing individuals who were really fighting for the families um, and trying to keep families together. And I think that's part of where, you know, the miseducation around the field is. And that's so good that you speak out about that and that that you show the true color of social workers, the true the true passion that is behind there. Because it's not a not a comfortable, happy, easygoing field to go into. 
we are constantly in crisis in your environment because that's why social workers get where they get involved. It doesn't matter if that is a medical crisis or a, a, a social crisis from the sense of addiction or uh, death. You, you mentioned the grieving. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, there are so many roles for a social worker and it is, it is so important that we, that we highlight that and highlight you guys as the bringers of hope, highlight you guys as an integral part of navigating this jungle of, of apparent lack of welfare when it comes to the United States. But yet at the same token, I say lack of welfare because it is so, so much more highlighted, let's say in the UK, where you've got the NHS, where you've got these kind of, of socialist systems where, you know, from the cradle to the grave, there's someone looking after you. That's the UK kind of model, how's it, how it was touted after the Second World War. That is not necessarily the truth uh, in the United States. It's far more fragmented. So if you're a veteran, there's one set of, of support. And if you're not a veteran and have a similar problem, well, tough. You can't, you know, it's these kind of things. So it's far more fra 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 fragmented. And that's where the social worker comes in. Because you yep. might know, hey, this is actually, no, this one doesn't work for you. But hey, did you know there is that? And chances are you didn't know. So... <laughs> Indeed. So you are my hero, Shakoya. Um, no two ways around it. And I mean that. I mean that because in the in the in the holistic care of a human being, in the in the way of helping human beings through tough times, um, you are an integral part of it. Like it or lump it. <laughs> Thank you. And it, it's part of you know. Um, for me, it's being able to help others the way I was helped. I truly believe that I was blessed with people to support me throughout my life. And so now part of my service um, to others is to be a blessing to others. Um, and I have co-founded a um, nonprofit uh probably about five years ago, and it's called B2B Support Services. And that's blessed to be a blessing because um, there are so many resources needed. Um, we have provided services to individuals experiencing homelessness, to transition age foster youth, to um, youth who are parenting, um, to parenting teens. Um, but there are so many resources and supports needed. And I firmly believe that my grandmother, took me in, blessed me. Um, and so now it's part of God's grace on me to be a blessing to someone else. And that's the most beautiful thing. Step 12 in the 12-step program is to give back. So again, a very strong parallel there between recovery from drugs and alcohol and your story of, of transformation um, from from an uncertain past to now uh, the, first, the first girl in your family to go out there, become a go-getter and change this world just that little bit. But it wouldn't have been easy for you along these lines. And when we initially got in touch, I asked you to, uh, to answer a few questions, to give me some information. And you, you touched upon a lot of the things that that were issues in the interim 
between victim and now this strong woman who helps others, the codependency, the co the the the, the whole emotional roller coaster of going through that transformation. I mean, how did you how did you cope? How did you deal with it? Um, I would have to say in my younger years, my coping was journaling. I was a heavy writer. Um, even if going back to it, I would read it and say, oh, that didn't make sense. But I would just write my thoughts out, whatever came to mind. Um, also, I had, uh, honestly, I had good outlets um, of people that I could talk to. Um, my grandmother kept me involved in church. Um, I was in the church drill team. I was in the church teen groups. Um, so I, I had a very you know, strong support system that helped walk me through the process. Um, May I ask, yeah. what is a drill team? So a drill team is like, so like cheerleaders, but they're more, it's, it's, it's called a drill team. So it was a church drill team and we were in parades and uh, we, got, we had um, different routines that we would perform, yeah. but we would them based off of Bible scriptures or with uh, <laughs> spiritual music in the background. Right. So yeah, I was in I was in, in the drill team at church in our church drill team. Um, Rest assured, we don't have drill teams neither in Germany nor in New Zealand. So that's cool. I like that. <laughs> there are youth bands, and my son is playing in one of them. That's 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 cool. Um, but no, the drill team, the, the 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 church cheerleaders. That's a new one for me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say that that was a huge piece of me being able to press, right? Um, having support. Mm. And it's an amazing thing. I, I would like to touch upon the fact that you actually were never tempted by alcohol and by drugs due to the insights that you gained from living with two parents who were both addicted. And I want to highlight that because there is always that kind of notion that, damn, part of being an addict is having that imprinted in your genes, having that come down from mommy and daddy. And no two ways, you are genetically more predisposed to be an alcoholic or an addict yourself. But guys, listen out to that because Shakoya saw all the negative things. So she is very unlikely to become a chemical addict. And that's the beautiful thing. So whilst she's more set up to be one genetically, uh, it's very unlikely that she will be. And it's the same with my sons, Shakoya. Uh, they have seen what alcohol does to a man and both of them are not drinking. They are not tempted by drugs. And it's the same thing there. And needless to say, they will have my genes. They will have the, the higher dopamine response that we addicts get to chemical drugs. The kind of, wow, this is good. At least the first time or second time. And then later on, well, there's nothing good anymore. Um, so no, very, very good. So only because... You come from a background genetically where there is addiction and a lot of misuse and abuse of drugs. That doesn't mean to say that that the future will hold the same. So the past does not equal the future. And that's your message, isn't it? You know, it, it really is. Um, 
And um, as I've shared with you um, earlier, you know, it, it was for me, I wanted to have a better life. I did not want to go down that path. Um, so I never had a desire. Um, and even when I've had, um, you know, people around me that were doing it, um, you know, like smoking marijuana in college and things like that. Mm -mm. I just, it was never, I never looked for that next high. Um, I do drink occasionally, but even with the, or, and even with the drinking or having a drink, there is something inside of me where I have to have, keep a level of control. So I'm going to have one, maybe two, and then I'm drinking water for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> we were at a gathering last night and they were like, you're not drinking. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm driving. You know, it's for me, it's, I always have to not only think about myself, but I have a 14 year old. I have a fiance. I have, um, people in the world. If I'm out drinking and driving, then that just doesn't work. And so there's always another part of me thinking, okay, I know I'm leaving here soon. So no, no cocktails for me tonight. Um, <laughs> I, I, I you know, my friends tell me loosen up a little bit. And I, I just, there's a, a sense of um, control that I need to maintain mm -hmm. as well as a sense of responsibility. It's interesting that you touch upon the control because a lot of people who in the, in the younger years go through situations where they are not in control. They, without knowing, cherish and seek that control, sometimes to their own detriment, uh, can get completely over the top with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder in the extreme version. Um, but uh, many people uh, end up with that need to be hypervigilant, hyper, constantly in control, constantly around. And I think that's, that's one of the, the things that I certainly experienced um, as, as part of the, the PTSD. Um, do you, are you a control freak? Are you control, uh, <laughs> how is it? Uh, another guest recently said it so beautifully, um, control freak anonymous. Um, she, she is an honorary member there. <laughs> are you, are you someone who, who is clearly the leader within your household? Um, now that I am engaged, I am not. Um, but as a, you know, after I went through my divorce and I became a, a single mom, um, yes, I was definitely um, in control, not necessarily a control freak because my daughter is definitely um, myself her and her dad. Um, and when I say that she, t she is, she has a mind of her own, which I'm glad. And she speaks up and has always spoke up. So if it was, it, it's not like, for her safety, yes, I control that, but I cannot control what she wears. I cannot control how she wears her hair. She definitely is her own person. Um, and so when even with her schooling, she said, mom, I'm not you. I'm not going to get straight A's all the time. I'm going to do my best. Um, and so that for me, is good because I'm, I'm glad that she's a leader of her own, of herself versus letting me control all of that, control that part of her. I don't want to be at a place where I am controlling, you know, all of her. So I, I do have to have a sense of control for myself, but when it comes to her and then our household, because I am engaged, um, I, I don't have control here. <laughs> we, we, we work together. We work together. Um, 
and he is the head of the household. So he is the, you know, he is the leader. Okay. Oh, wow. That's cool. It's cool that you have got that insight and that you can actually distinguish that because that no doubt will also affect how you look at relationships with your clients because you see, my God, it is, it's so probably sometimes so blatantly obvious for you what people have to do in order to get their act together. Um, but you can't just put a kettle broth there. Come on, do it now. I forced you to. That's not how it works. Um, so how does it work? How, how do you work with people who, where you think the plan is actually quite clear and you see what needs to be done, but they can't see it? Does that happen? Does that, I, I assume oh. it does. Absolutely. It, it definitely happens. And I would say in my early years of social work, that was me. You have to follow this plan. This is what you have to do. This is what you said you wanted. And so this is what you're going to do. Um, after being in the field of social work for 20 years, um, the, the real essence of the work is really helping an individuals understand and come to their reality and their realization of the plan that they want. Um, and so even in my coaching business, it's very rare that I'm telling somebody what to do. I'm asking them questions because deep down inside, they really have the answers. They, it just has not been brought to fruition and they haven't spoke it or wrote it down. And so I'm asking lots and people say, you ask a lot of questions. I say, yeah, because guess what? You have the answers. And so what I'm going to do is help you put that plan together and strategically work it once you come up with the answers. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So your coaching, when did you start that? Um, so I started coaching in August. Um, I have been wanting to write um, my blog and I've actually, I wrote it from foster care to social work. I wrote it for the last four years and said I was going to release it on my birthday, which is August 14th for the last four years and never did it until 2020. Um, and I wasn't, I've said I wanted to do coaching. I've been doing consulting um, and I've been doing training. And so I shared with a friend of mine, I have to get this blog out. This is the year. And she was like, well, why are you just getting a blog out? Why not start your business that you've been saying you wanted to start? And this was probably September 30th. And so from August 1st to August 14th, I pushed to get content for my website push to get a plan together. I hired my own clarity, um, launch clarity to launch coach to help me walk through some things, um, as it relates to the coaching business and really understanding the business side of it. And so I launched August 14th. I am, um, still doing some beta programming right now as I want to make sure I have things, you know, solid. My plan is to launch my groups in January. Um, but right now, and beta programming beautiful beautiful and that's so gorgeous because here are you with all this information and if people get referred to you or somehow bump into you as part of social work they are really really lucky uh but there are there are that's a kind of a, a referral system that's a kind of work system uh and but there are people out there who do need guidance who do want the help but uh, they can't get it through the systems in which they are 
or they they can get help but they don't gel at all with the social worker or with that person that was allocated to them you know sometimes people just don't get on and that's that's uh, that's normal you, you can't love everyone and not everyone will love you full stop but there will be people out there who will listen to that and think then the Shakoya, she actually got her shit together and and uh, she sounds good. I actually want to know more about her. So tell us the websites. Tell us the, the way that people can actually now right now get hold of you. So my website is www.sdgcoaching.com. Um, and SDG stands for Sincerely Destined for Greatness. I am also... <laughs> um instagram at sdg underscore coaching and then on facebook at sdg coaching um and i've written two blogs uh one is from foster care to social worker and the other one is from destiny um oh my i am drawing a blank <laughs> yes you've got my so goodness. much gorgeous things going in your head there that is the no. station <laughs> it's devastation to existence and it talks about my story of being told at the age of 23 that I could not have children and always wanting children and then being blessed with a child at 28. Beautiful beautiful so what we'll do guys have a look down there in the description of the video and of the podcast there are all the links in there so you can just go straight to Shakoya's uh, work and to her to us social media handles and can follow her and learn from her because here's a woman who has gone through tough times like many of us do and who has made it now her mission to share the insights and share the knowledge and if you want to be there at your side and be the the guide through the jungle uh, in the nicest way and maybe we should actually see see social workers as as uh, life coaches to become to be um, that might not be a bad a bad approach to to social workers uh, because yeah you it's such a beautiful beautiful profession that does so much to help people and is so undervalued so it's it's lovely to have you actually on this show and and highlight all the good things that that come from social work and it's like it's like any therapy it's like any rehab it's like any recovery process you have to deal with the shit in your life and that hurts and unfortunately therefore also a a, a social worker will not be always all happy and cheerful because they have to make hard decisions or have to help with hard decisions to be made in uh, in a family's circumstances. But it is what it is. It is there is hope out there, guys. And please, please, please do not forget that there is hope. You might not be able to see it right now, but the sheer fact that you're listening to this podcast or watching this video means that there is some shit going on in your life. And hey, if, if Shakoya rings a bell with you, then get in touch. What have you got to lose? You know, what, what, what could possibly stop you fulfilling your dreams? Will it be painful? 
Probably, because you have to deal with, with some things that you don't want to deal with. But alone, to do that alone, is bloody hard, because often enough you don't actually even know where the pain comes from. And you need someone to actually listen to you, what you're saying, and listen to you, what you're not saying, and hold the mirror in front of your face. And that's what a life coach does. Again, that's what they do really, really well. And especially people like Shakoya, because they have gone through a lot of crap themselves. So that makes them really good. Be careful. Uh, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So therefore, <laughs> when, you, when you get in touch with people like Shakoya or, or meet me or meet someone else that you have heard about this show, we typically can detect bullshit from a mile away. <laughs> so <laughs> don't start the journey if you don't want to actually uh, really have a, take the, the lid off and have a look inside what is fermenting, which pus uh, is brewing under the surface. <laughs> Shakoya, you are a fantastic woman and you have been a fantastic journey and I'm so grateful that, that you share some of that with me today on the show but also with your blog because people can go in their own time there and actually read and, and follow a bit up on, on, on our discussion here today. It is a beautiful thing that you are giving back and I'm very humbled to have you had on my show. If there are if there are free things or if there are free key tips that you can give my listeners, what would they be? To allow yourself some grace, um, and grace for me is the G is give yourself time to grow. There is always room to grow. There is always something to learn. So give yourself time to grow. The G in grace stands for grow. The R is to be resilient. Look forward to the future. Be resilient in all that you do. Be resilient every day. Have resilience as part of your daily story. Don't dwell in the past. The A is ambition. Be ambition, be ambitious. And then the C is for compassion. Have compassion for yourself, for the things that you've gone through, and then have compassion for those that you see on the daily basis, because we all need it. The E is for empower. Be empowered to move forward and then be empowering to someone else. So my tidbit to everyone is to give yourself and allow yourself some grace. Growth, resilience, ambition, and compassion, and be empowered. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. You know, you just put my life goals into one word. <laughs> okay, I'm blown away here. That's cool, Grace. I will definitely take that to heart. And thank you so much for sharing all that beautiful wisdom with me. You certainly made me think today. And no doubt you will have planted seeds into the minds of some people out there. And who knows, maybe with our little interview, we change the world for someone out there, which would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's why we do these things. Shakoya, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Have a fantastic day. Yeah.